Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Spider-Man Far From Home in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. So Spider-Man's been out for what two full weeks now. We're and we're you know we're heading into its third weekend at the box office. Uh, so that said, uh, if you've seen it, you, if you wanted to see it, you probably already saw it. And uh, if you didn't want to see it, you probably wouldn't want to listen to this episode anyway. So we're gonna be like full spoilers from the jump. Uh, so keep that under consideration it's not going to just mean spoiler 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 but i'm not i'm not uh, holding anything back as it were you know it's been it's been long enough thanks to my own delays and and so on but uh, we're finally going to talk about spider-man far from home so uh let's you know let me throw it let me throw up the spoiler bumper just uh just just because you know, kind of have to do it. Got to do it. Spoiler bumper, here we go. Any path, so many worth exploring. Just one would be so boring. And look what you're ignoring. Spider-Man Far From Home, the first Marvel movie to come out after Endgame. Uh, supposedly the last film in the Infinity War saga, Infinity Saga Phase 3. Uh, and the last one that we really knew the release date for, uh, until, you know, we finally, until we finally get the future slate of films, um, this was, this was the end, uh, which is kind of, I think that's part of the problem in that Endgame is the end, right? Like, it just... It was a good movie, it felt like the end, it had all the catharsis, all the payoffs, all that stuff, Endgame had that. Spider-Man Far From Home doesn't have any of that, really. Um, all of the things in uh, in this movie are, e- even the like bigger stuff that's supposed to be impactful to the greater MCU, doesn't feel like it. And whatever is potentially going to cause ripple effects throughout the MCU is kind of shoehorned in in the end credits which is its own frustration so a lot of issues a lot of issues with the way that this movie interacts with the rest of the marvel cinematic universe and primarily uh how it does that is through um the sort of legacy of tony stark so second second spider-man movie we still can't get out from underneath uh, Iron Man and Tony Stark in this one either despite the fact that he's dead and it just I really like the Raimi Spider-Man movies the first two and I think um, the Amazing Spider-Man movies are the first one's okay the second one's not good and I like Homecoming decently it's not great but I think it's fine and I thought, I, overall, I think Far From Home is just okay. And what makes, in my opinion, the first Raimi Spider-Man movies good is it's supposed to be about a kid 
who balances his superhero responsibilities with his personal life and it really for me hinged on how difficult it is and and how fun it is to to be spider-man right like any of us would love to have the abilities that spider-man has even if you know whether they're web shooters or you know, like with Tobey Maguire, like actual webs that come out of your arms, just the ability to like swing around the city and, and have that spidey sense or Peter Tingle or, you know, all those elements are, are really fun just from a basic level. And Far From Home and the Spider-Man in the MCU and, and as a whole isn't like that to me. He really... I think in Homecoming, he had that sort of personality to a degree, but that's mostly gone here and Far From Home. And another big part of that is that he's basically just Iron Man with a different main set of tricks. Like instead of firing lasers all the time, he fires webs all the time. And I mean, I guess that's a fundamental difference, but... It's not that big a difference. You know, he's in the metal suit. He's got, you know, it's all the nanotech stuff. And and he has a million and five different, you know, special abilities that he can call upon if he needs to. And I I just, I don't find that exciting. You know, I think it's cool from an Iron Man perspective, but we already have it from an Iron Man perspective. I don't need to see Iron Man again. I have those movies. I have a lot of those movies. If you include, you know, Civil War and the Avengers movies, um, and so I, it, so then, what I kind of fall back on with this Spider-Man is, okay, he's still a kid, so there's that difference, and he still feels like a teenager in a lot of ways, and I thought Homecoming did a decent job of of sticking to that. Far from Home tries to. And yet, it felt like the whole movie was just, okay, Spider-Man things are happening, but I'm going to go be Peter Parker. Which is, you know, a normal conflict for this character, but it makes the movie hate Spider-Man. You know? Like, it it makes me not want him to be Spider-Man. It makes, you know, and that's the exact opposite of what a a superhero movie should be. At the very least, you should want your character to be the superhero. You should want Bruce Wayne to be Batman. You should want Clark Kent to be Superman. You should want Peter Parker to be Spider-Man. You should want, you should all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this makes me not want him to be Spider-Man. You know, and it could be that we've never really had that with great power comes great responsibility moment in for this character. We don't really have the Uncle Ben um, sequence, which is fine because we've had that a lot, but it does kind of take away from part of the character's drive. It takes away part of Peter's sensibilities and, and, and direction. It's not, it's not a bad movie. I don't think Far From Home is bad. 
Uh, there are parts that I really do like. I do like when he's being a kid. I like when he's interacting with Zendaya. Uh, I, I like a lot of the Jake Gyllenhaal stuff, to be honest. I, I like Mysterio's character. I don't think it was executed perfectly, but the, the middle sequence where uh, we first see the, the bad side of Mysterio is really, is really exciting. All, the, the special effects in that sequence were fantastic. Uh, to the detriment of some of the other parts of the movie, but um, just it kind of reminded me of of Doctor Strange in a way, uh, and and how trippy some of those sequences were. And this was incredibly fun to kind of shift through, and it it really sets you, it really shifts your head into just this idea that like anything I see could be false, you know. Every character on screen might not be there, and every character not there could be there, and and that is terrifying from from a just like a a, a a mental stability perspective. You never actually know if Spider-Man is where he looks like he is, or you know if he's you know walking down the street. He could be. Who knows? You know, we don't know if Mysterio is actually there or if he's not, if he's dead, if he's alive. All those things is, are coming into question. And I think the 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 story behind Mysterio and how he is a disgruntled uh, ex Stark employee. I thought it was funny, like going back and seeing the the um, sort of like like taking a trip back into the the Marvel movies where uh, Gyllenhaal's character was and some of the other people who were upset with Stark were. That was fun. But the plot of it is very confusing because ultimately he wants to be the biggest superhero. He he basically is Syndrome in, in that respect. He wants to be the Syndrome of the world except without giving everyone else the ability to be superheroes. Um, he doesn't want there to be other superheroes and uh he wants the world to listen to him okay uh i kind of get that but i also don't know his his plot to to get the the what edith from peter is very very weak uh very weak in my opinion it kind of felt like uh, zemo's plot in civil war with how like convenient so many of the elements had to be for it to work it just i don't know it it just did not seem to be as cohesive as it probably should have felt especially because you know you typically look at these villains and it's one guy you know zemo acted alone and so to that degree uh it's even more absurd that as many things went his way as they could and yet in here with far from home Gyllenhaal, what's his actual name? Not Mysterio, but Quentin Beck. Quentin Beck has a bunch of people that work with him. A bunch of people helping him and working alongside him and doing this and that and the other. And and yet he still needs to have all these contrived conveniences fall into place in order for his plan to sort of at all work. So... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Angry Rice. 
and Jacob Batalon develop a, re- a relationship, sort of, in this movie. I love Angry Rice in these movies. Her and, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Jorge Lendeborg? Is that him? Jason Ionello? Yes. So Angry Rice and Jorge Lendeborg Jr. play the uh, the the news anchors for this for the high school. They are amazing. The movie opens with a scene from them. I love every single part of those two, and and that that morning show is so perfect. Or, you know, news show. Um, Angry Rice then. He doesn't go on the trip. She goes on the trip and, you know, the Jacob Battle and thing. It's just weird to me, that whole sequence. Uh, but the Zendaya-MJ-Peter relationship was fine. I like that. I am excited to see it more. I, I remember coming out of the theater saying, I understand, you know, having seen now i don't know 50 plus superhero movies or something it's become you know you kind of get used to the superhero who has to hide his identity from the people that he loves and nobody can know and as much as i understand that and i as as much as i understand how it's a threat if if the villain knows who your girlfriend wife brother boyfriend father son daughter whoever it is is like i get that that's dangerous and that can be very very bad but every single time every single time somebody close to the hero finds out their identity um it it just it just seems like the hero becomes so much happier and it just seems like relationships become so much better you know, with 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 Aunt May knowing who Spider Man is, oh my goodness, it looks like they're so much more comfortable around each other. You don't have to hide who you are. You can be, you know, honest and straightforward and open about who everything that's happening in your life, and that makes everybody feel better. And it just it's so frustrating to see a character, see half of a movie, be devoted to I can't let anybody know who I am. And you know, I just. So anyway, uh, I really like that Zendaya knows who he is now. That makes me happy. Um, so hopefully we don't have to worry about that whole side of things in the presumably, presumably third movie in the M- Spider-Man MCU trilogy. I I would I would hope not. I hope not. Ugh. Uh, the movie takes place, you know, far from home. We spend a lot of time in Europe, you know, tripping around Europe. The locations are fine. There's a lot of green screen, which is bad. The effects outside of the green screen, so it's like the, you know, Mysterio conjures up these holograms. Uh, those are fun. I like those effects. I thought those were good. I thought the idea of them, the you know, kind of the the Mandarin-esque way that this character is presented is a lot of fun to me and very interesting. It really posits that, you know, you can, you know, every single... I like the implication that every single person in this world 
can be scorned and then turn into a supervillain. It, it, maybe that's a little counterintuitive. Maybe that should be something I don't like, but I do like it for whatever reason. You know, the fact that, like, this guy gets, let's say, cut off on his way, getting like, exiting the highway, could go home and, you know, maybe his best friend is, uh, you know, good with technology, and suddenly they're a supervillain team. Like, that's a shitty origin story, but I like that that's a possibility, if only for the fact that it makes it that much more believable that there could constantly be villains for these people to fight. Um, especially the ones that are, you know, going to be on Earth the whole time, like presumably Spider-Man will be for the foreseeable future. Uh, it doesn't really matter so much for, you know, Captain Marvel and, any, and the Guardians who are off-world. But for anyone who's stuck on Earth, you kind of need a lot of villains to come about, to come alive, to, to be things. So that's that's exciting and that's interesting to me. Uh, Aunt May and Happy Hogan, right? Hogan? Yeah, Harold Happy Hogan. They're, they're a thing now, kinda. And that's, um... I'm not... I don't really have feelings one way or the other about that being a relationship. I do feel good about it from the perspective of I like Happy in these movies I don't think he's an integral part or a necessary part in these movies but I like seeing him in them I think he's fun I like John Favreau there's a scene in this where he's like he throws a shield like a medieval shield and like tries to hit something with it and it fails miserably and he says how does Cap do that and I like that I don't know I, I like his I like his character don't care about him being with Aunt May, but it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. Uh, we got Martin Starr back as a teacher. Oh, he was he was awful. Some of the some of the jokes for him are just so bad. Uh, he's tag teaming with JB Smoove, who is also not great. Uh, felt like he was kind of shackled in this role. Uh, Tony Revolori. Back as Flash. Mm, he's just annoying. And a couple of other characters. Uh, Samuel Jackson. Kobe Smulders. In this movie. I liked it. I always like Kobe Smulders. Feels like she gets the shaft in every single one of these role time movies that she gets a role in. Uh, they really don't give her character much to do. She's just a f familiar face at this point to me. Samuel Jackson. Uh, loved didn't love him while watching love like but I like his character a lot in hindsight because when you get to the end credits scene and you realize that he's actually been Talos this whole time uh, the the scroll from from Captain Marvel that's really exciting I think that's a lot of fun to me and might be the only reason I'd ever go back and well, I guess not the only reason but would be the main reason I would want to go back and rewatch Far From Home to better examine uh, Fury and how he's not really Fury because he's actually looks like he's off world with the, with the scroll uh, on vacation and now he's off vacation. I guess he there's been some con conversation about when he was switched with Talos and so this is because this is what like. 
30 years since the events of Captain Marvel or so. Uh, and, and Talos looks the same that he did then. So I don't know if Scroll just aged slower. But I think I saw that the directors implied that he'd only been on vacation since Endgame. So I'm, uh, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Uh, what's the other the other thing we got was uh, J. Jonah Jameson. This was easily the most exciting part of the movie for me. We get to the end, and Peter and MJ are swinging around the city, which was fine and terrible, terrible effects on that scene. MJ's like, I never want to do that again. And he's like, okay. And they're about to go their separate ways. And this big television screen on the side of a building comes on nearby. And J.K. Simmons' face appears as J. Jonah Jameson. He played J. Jonah Jameson in the Raimi movies. He was perfect casting then. He is perfect casting now. And that in and of itself was just... I was so I was so excited by that. Then we get the final footage from Mysterio, which has clearly been tampered with. Looks like um, some of the cronies left over by Mysterio got into his files or whatever and like adjusted and edited things. They make Spider-Man out to look like the villain, uh, and then <laughs> Mysterio says to the camera who uh, Spider-Man is. And he's like, it's Peter Parker. And we get back to J. Jonah Jameson, and he's like, he's a villain, he's a bad guy, da-da-da-da-da-da. And that's that's where the like movie ends for, for Spider-Man. And that is far more compelling in, in 20 seconds than literally the entire story of Mysterio ever was. So I guess like if we have to suffer through this mediocre Far From Home movie to get to perhaps an, a compelling third film, eh, I mean, I guess so. I guess I can live with that, but it's exciting. I, I, I don't know what the direction will be. I don't know how they're going to solve it, but, you know, this is really, this is the thing, right? This is what Peter has been like, all these superheroes, no one should know who I am. No one should know who I am. That's why I like Iron Man. Because he was like, I'm just Iron Man. And now everyone knows who Spider-Man is. So, yeah. Like, I'm into it. I like that. I, I, I don't like superheroes having to hide their identity all the time. I think, sure, do it in the origin story. But, like, you really don't need it after a certain point. And, um... I'm glad we're kind of dispensing with that completely until it gets, you know, undone somehow or, you know, disproven for whatever reason. But for the time being, I'm into it. So that's that's kind of the po problem, though. So many of the most interesting parts of this movie, as I said, are the end of it. Uh, so you have to slog through quite a bit to get there. And that, you know, that's not how your movie should be, honestly. Not how most movies should be. But, 
I don't know, Spider-Man Far From Home. It's just, it's just okay. It's just okay. <sighs> yeah. So, that's kind of it, though. You know, I don't have too much more to say about the old Spider-Man. He's, um... I don't know, man. I, I like Night Monkey. Night Monkey's a good name. Peter Tingle is, um... It's a one-trick pony, and they, they give it, like, five scenes or something like that. Um, silly to me. There's... trying to think of some other bad jokes in this movie. Uh, pretty much everything with Martin Starr, the camera falling into the, the bay or whatever, the body of water it was. Um, every single time that uh, all of a sudden our plans are changed. Stupid. The... Um, the drone strike on on the kid on on Peter's classmate was super unnecessary uh, but i also just don't like i don't it's so frustrating i love tony stark in these movies i thought he was a great character i thought they did really well for him uh throughout this entire franchise the worst thing about him is how much of an impact his technology has on the rest of the characters and just like oh everyone's an iron man you know uh, it's too much it's just, but like it doesn't make sense not to right like why would you be a normal spider-man if you can be an iron spider-man like there's no reason not to be so i i don't know what the like solution is there but i wish there was one so that's kind of frustrating. Mur. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. This thing has a 3.8 average rating on, on Letterboxd. I gave it a 2.5, which I think it's like a 56. I gave it a 56-ish, 57, one of those. Uh, so I'm fairly low on it, I guess, relative to the field. Um, I think it has, you know, a very high Rotten Tomatoes score, but I'll get into all of that in the statistics episode. That'll be tomorrow, and then Friday will be Midsummer, I believe, and then next week we will hopefully get back to the normal schedule uh, as my throat, not my throat, if you, you know, I tweet out updates on Twitter, but um, my throat's better. It's not perfect. Uh you know so but it but it's a lot better than it has been the last couple of days so was able to at least record this and um hopefully we'll be 100 percent tomorrow i'm i've got a couple episodes prepared for the next couple of weeks of course the lion king will be involved in one way or the other um might even do lion king on friday we'll see i'm seeing it thursday uh depends you know how that goes and you know the reviews have been less than stellar unfortunately so uh the plan is for midsummer on friday but if it turns out to be lion king uh, don't be don't be surprised so that's it's gonna be it it's gonna be it spider-man far from home i think it's okay they um i don't know just they're getting away from the type of spider-man that i like and i'm not even like a spider-man junkie or anything like that so 
I'm curious to see what role they've given him uh, when we get to like the next team up film. You know, if he's going to you know be in a leadership role because he's the sort of Stark successor. I don't want that. I think he's too young for it. So, ugh, yeah. Curious to see all the things that we see in the end credits and, and how that turns out. But, yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home review. Done. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. If you would like to find me on social medias and things like that, Twitter at Circle of Film, Letterboxd at Circle of Film, email circleoffilm at gmail.com, or find the website circleoffilm.com for all the episodes and a bunch of other things. You can also go to, um, you can also find me on iTunes, Stitcher, things like that. If you like to support the show, like, rate, review, subscribe, on whatever podcast thing that you do uh, or use or listen to. Uh, or you can become a patron on patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Uh, check it out. There are, you know, advantages and perks and things like that. Uh, but that's it. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.